welcome to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. I'm here to share techniques and tools to help you engage with your audience and bring art, objects and ideas to life. So let's dive into this week's show. Hello and welcome back to the Art Engager podcast. I'm your host, Claire Bowne of Thinking Museum, and this is episode 76. So I have a guest for you today on the show. I'm delighted to be talking to Dr. Alex Woodall about her wonderful work with objects. We're talking about the joys of working with objects creatively, and we're exploring how you can use objects to spark all sorts of connections, associations, and fun in the museum and beyond. But before that, last week I shared a fabulous new free resource with you in recognition of 75 episodes of this podcast. So How to Look at Art Slowly is a collection of 30 plus different ways to look at art or objects in the museum. It can be used by anyone, that's anyone, looking for new ways to engage with what they're seeing. The podcast episode explains how to use the guide, so do go and listen to episode 75 if you haven't already, and you can download the free guide via the link in the show notes. As always, if you'd like to support this show, you can do so by treating me to a lovely cup of tea on buymeacoffee.com forward slash Claire I'll put a link in the show notes. And if you like this podcast, please do go and give us a quick rating on Apple Podcasts. It really does help new people to find us. So thank you in advance. So let me introduce my lovely guest this week. Dr. Alex Woodall is a museum professional and academic inspired by the creative use of objects and rummaging in stores. She has 20 years experience working in learning, interpretation and exhibition management and leadership roles. And she's worked at various places, including Sheffield Museums, Manchester Art Gallery, the Royal Armouries in Leeds and the Sainsbury Centre at the University of East Anglia. She is currently Programme Director for the Postgraduate Creative and Cultural Industries Management degree at the University of Sheffield and there she's teaching a large international cohort about museum management. She works closely with the UK Museums Association as a mentor and she initiated the recent Museums Association research on bullying in the museum sector. She is co-founder of a support network for gallery, library, archives and museum community engagement professionals too. She is busy. In our chat today, we talk about the joys of working with objects. Alex shares how her love for objects started when she was very small, rummaging through her dad's museum, which was a chest of drawers in the garage full of amazing finds that he'd dug up in the garden, things like rocks and fossils and clay pipes. And she talks about how that developed into a career-long fascination with all things objecty. We talk about what objects do, how we can use them and what we can get out of working with objects. Alex tells us what an object dialogues box is and how you can use objects to spark all sorts of connections, associations and fun. 
she takes us through a wonderful activity that I did with her at the ICOM Seeker Europe conference in Denmark recently. This activity helps you to notice more details and find stuff in museums that you would normally overlook. We also talk about how we can use objects to inspire more creativity and imagination in organizations. For example, using objects in meetings, in programming, in brainstorming. And at the end, she shares two wonderful books to read if you're as fascinated by objects as we both are. This is indeed a lovely chat. It's all about creating joyful experiences with objects. We talk rummaging, curiosity, using our senses and our imagination. Enjoy. Hi, Alex, and welcome to the Art Engager podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Claire. It's very lovely. <laughs> I'm delighted you're here. So could you explain to people, our listeners all around the world, where you are right now? Yes, I am currently um, at home in Sheffield in the UK, which is in the north on a particularly dull and dingy day. <laughs> oh dear. Well, we've got sunshine today, so we've got the full autumn experience. So hopefully we can send it your way. Uh, so can you tell us what you do and how you came to be doing what you're doing? Yes. So um, I currently work at the University of Sheffield where I run a programme called Creative and Cultural Industries Management, which is a postgraduate course. It's, it's quite an international course. And on that, I teach museum management. My background really is um, has been working in museums and galleries for the last 20-ish years, uh, running learning, interpretation, and managing exhibition projects. So I sort of, I started off as a, as an education officer, and then have done various different things, including uh, being part of a senior leadership team. And then I kind of had a, a bit of a sideways move into academia following my PhD. Yeah, so um, what we're going to be talking about today is your fascination, shall we say, <laughs> with objects and object-based learning. But before we do that, a question I really like to ask people is, what are the values or principles that guide your work? Um, I love this question. I think for me, absolutely, curiosity is the main guiding principle of everything that I do. Um, and also, um, collaboration and creative collaboration, I think, is really important for me. And then building on some work I've done recently, um, kindness is also really important. So curiosity, collaboration, creativity, kindness. Love yeah. those. Very similar to mine as well. Um, ah. I think it's a really interesting question just to see where people are coming from. Yeah, um, definitely. So let's, let's talk about the joy of objects. Um, what sort of projects do you work on? Perhaps you could give us a couple of examples of uh, projects you've worked on in the past that have had objects as their kind of main focus. Yeah, well, um, I absolutely love, love, love objects. And I think it, um, a lot of it goes back to some of my really early formative years. So when I was um, little, my dad in the garage had this chest of drawers um, which he called his museum, and he would collect all sorts of bits of um, rocks and 
uh, fossils and clay pipes that he dug up from the garden. And I used to spend hours sneaking into the garage and rummaging through this drawer, um, this, this chest of drawers of his little museum. And I think somewhere in the back of my head, that must have kind of stayed with me for my <laughs> my entire life. And then while I was um, studying, I had the opportunity to work as a as a volunteer, really, in the education team at a place called Kettle's Yard, which is um, an amazing house and art gallery in Cambridge. And the owner of Kettle's Yard were, were the owners were called Jim and Helen Ead. And Jim Ead was a curator at Tate and a collector of um, modern art, but also a collector of beautiful natural objects, pebbles, feathers, all sorts of things. And the house um, is absolutely beautiful, calming, restful place with books. You can sit on the chairs and, and leaf through the books. And um, there are, there's art kind of juxtaposed with, with lovely things. And I loved it. And seeing those objects there has kind of inspired my whole career, really. And just this capacity of being able to link objects with art and use the objects to make your imagination fly are things that that um, I've been playing with for, for many years. So one particular project that has really inspired me was when I worked at Manchester Art Gallery. I was involved in a project called um, Mary Mary Quite Contrary, which was about a female collector called Mary Gregg. Um, and her collection had come into Manchester Art Gallery, even though it wasn't really art. It was um, bygone bygone curiosities, should we say. So things like rusty old spoons, uh, lots of Victorian children's toys, um, candles, all sorts of things that were kind of battered, but left a bit forlorn and had never really been on display. This is... This was when I worked there in about 2008, I, I think. Um, and so I, I was part of the, what was then the new interpretation team. So it was a kind of um, a group of colleagues who were a bridge between the learning team and the curatorial team. And we basically set up this amazing open-ended rummaging project where we invited artists to come and look at Mary Gregg's collections in the stores. They were able to open the drawers, pull things out, rummage around, take photos, do um, drawings in their sketchbooks. And then we just left it totally open, let go of any sort of curatorial authority for them to just create and do whatever they wanted to. So there's a lovely blog um, which still exists uh, all these years later about this process but I think it was that just seeing the joy and the spark that objects kind of enable um yeah it, that was a really wonderful project and I've tried to sort of emulate similar things in in most of my work subsequently I love the sound of that I lo love the word rummage as well it's just um mm. <laughs> It just brings to mind so many images of just, you know, sorting through the joy of looking at all different types of objects and all shapes and sizes as well. And yeah. um, I think we can put a link to that blog, can't we, in the yes, show notes? Yeah, you can. And I've also um, 
I've written about the, the idea of rummaging as well, which I think it is, I love that term because it's so unruly. And, you know, museums have all these systems and processes and things, but actually to do something slightly um, under the radar and, you know, uh, play is, is really exciting. Yeah, it sounds like it. And also you said that you um, threw caution to the wind with any kind of curatorial practices. So how did that work in we, practice? I wouldn't say we, I mean, we there were curatorial practices. So people <laughs> did have to kind of wear gloves and all of those sorts of things. But actually, it's very rare to, to just be able to invite a group of creative people into the stores and be able to open the drawers that they want to. So I've been on lots of um, tours of stores in other museums and things and usually it is very heavily curated as an experience so you you know the curator will actually open a particular drawer get out a thing and then pass it around the group or whatever but this was very much led by you know what piqued people's interests when they had opened the drawer for themselves yeah love it absolutely love it um so your fascination <laughs> with objects tell us some of the ways, some of the things that objects do, I'm fascinated by how we can use them and what we can get out of working with objects. Um, gosh, what do objects do? That was actually the title of a, of a big project that I was lucky enough to be involved in in India, um, which was a lot more focused on um, the agency of objects themselves and whether there's a sort of innate power in objects rather than in the person who's handling the object or looking at the object. Um, but I think there are, there are very particular things that, that objects do to us and that enable to happen. So, I mean, obvious sounding things for a museum context are around enabling storytelling. So anyone can pick an object or select something that, that is special to them or has, has some kind of meaning and tell a story about that object. Um, and I think objects are great levelers because, you know, anyone, if you, if you have a selection of objects and allow people to choose a thing, Everyone can talk about that thing without needing to know any background context or any kind of official information and facts about the thing. Um, so I think definitely objects are about storytelling. Um, they also provoke memories. Um, so a lot of the time when we're visiting museums or even in a junk shop or an antique shop, um, the, the discussions will pop up about, oh, my granny had something just like that. Um, and it's so lovely that you can be wandering around a space and and suddenly be immersed in a different time and different context altogether. Um, one of the other things that is really amazing about objects is that I've got some objects in front of me. I know you can't, <laughs> you won't be able to see them. Um, well, could you describe them perhaps? engagement. <laughs> yeah, so I'm holding at the moment um, a sort of round... Um, hand-sized marble um, kind of spherical ball um, and it's just a very beautiful lovely tactile thing it would fit in your pocket so often when I'm going for a walk or something I pick up stuff by pockets I always have to have a dress or trousers or whatever with pockets because they're always stuffed full of 
um, you know, thing, shells and pebbles and seeds and things like that that I find. And I think it's that capacity of the object to to engage our senses so we can touch them we can feel them we can smell them if you want to um you know all of the senses are completely engaged and i think um museums and galleries often kind of give priority to the sense of the visual but actually there's so much more if we look at all of the senses um that we can explore and i think that that kind of leads on to the imaginative use of objects as well so um being able to to just let our imaginations wander off and make creative links and things like that uh, between objects and ourselves and ideas yeah yeah so many ways that um objects work you know as you talk about enabling the storytelling the memories engaging our senses but also the imaginative aspects as well um you reminded me when you were talking, we were lucky enough to meet in person again. We met in Denmark a few weeks ago and you did a wonderful workshop um, about objects and you brought in an object dialogue box. So I wonder <laughs> if you could describe what one is and how we might use one. Definitely. Well, there's a, there's a sort of a bit of a history to this. So um, the object dialogue box is... Um, well, the, the original one is a, an amazing artist-made uh, box of surprises. Um, and the, the object dialogue boxes are created by two artists called Carl and Kimberly Foster. And the original box, which I commissioned um, quite a while ago, was for the museums in Sheffield. There was an exhibition of... Um, Islamic art that was on tour around the world from the V&A while the V&A was being refurbished. And I was very keen not to just replicate um, a handling collection like a school might have in their religious education department, um, but wanted to do something that would allow people's imaginations to fly and to, to not have to worry too much about the cultural context on initial handling and seeing an object. So I commissioned Carl and Kimberly Foster um, in a very open-ended way to make a box that would full of objects which are quite um the things that they make are surreal formations of familiar things put together to make something very unfamiliar um and the idea is that these strange objects you carry around the museum or gallery space and use them to make imaginative links between thing in your hand and what you can find around you um and i used Carl and Kimberley's object dialogue box a lot when I worked in Sheffield and then when I left that organisation I didn't have the box anymore because it, it belongs to the museums in Sheffield um, but because I'd been working with it for, for such a long time and had really seen joy and the, the playfulness and the ideas that emerge um, I decided to have my own object dialogue box which is slightly different so it is um, my box is a 1970s um, octagonal shaped plastic box, which almost looks like a large piece of Lego or something. And it, the box is very um, 
or the way that the box opens is very performative and it, it undoes in a certain way. And there are various steps that I go through before I actually unveil what's in it and things. So it, it's it's a kind of um, almost like a theatrical process, I guess, of, of undoing the box and seeing what's in there. Um, the, the objects that are inside the box are all in little segmented sections and they're all things that I've collected um, or that have been given to me or things that I think will just be quite interesting. But they're pretty random. I mean, there are, there are household objects as well as natural things and more artistic things. Um, but the way in which I get people to use them is to just select, initially just select a thing that they're interested in. It might be something that inspires memories or engages the senses or all of these sorts of things. Um, it might be something that the person doesn't really like or is puzzled over. Um, and initially, I'll just get little small groups of people to have conversations about their objects um, and find out what they are, what they remind them of, all of those sorts of things. But then the really exciting bit happens after that where um, people choose an, an object. It might be the one that they've already become familiar with and has become a little friend, or it might be a totally different object. And then they um, go off and explore. So when we were in Denmark, um, we were in the amazing Mosgard Museum, um, which for people who are unfamiliar is um, really an anthropology and archaeology museum, which has some pretty controversial exhibits, I, I would say. So it's got some um, bog bodies and, and you know, there are, there are interesting debates around human remains. So I was really keen that we didn't go into any of those particular spaces. And I didn't know the museum at all, really. I'd only been there for a couple of days to have a look. So I, I kind of did a bit of a, a recce to see where I thought these objects, you know, where would be a contained enough space, but also somewhere that we could take the objects. Um, and we ended up in the medieval section with our objects. So all the participants at the workshop had chosen a thing. And I asked them to use their, their object as, as though it were like a compass to lead them to something else in the displays where um, they could make an imaginative connection between one of my objects or the thing that they'd now made their own connection with in their hand and something in the displays around them. Um, and it's so joyful and, and absolutely wonderful. And all of the people at the session were museum educators or, you know, of, of similar persuasion. So the conversation really flowed and people had amazing ideas. And, and some of the joy is that people look in a completely different way and find things that you, that they'd probably never spot otherwise if they didn't have the thing in their hand. So, um, after you know a few ten minutes, so I can't remember ten minutes or so of of having a wander round, we then gathered back together, and I got people to lead us on a tour to to the objects that they'd found in the collection, and that's always so lovely because you get the whole group to walk around in a very different way to the often um, kind of formulaic way that you would walk in 
clockwise around a gallery space, but actually it's very haphazard. And we just went to see all sorts of different things, including tiny, tiny things that, you know, you'd never have noticed or things that even people who worked there had never spotted or were seeing in a totally different way. So it's, yeah, really, really joyful. And that it's a way of, of breaking down barriers entirely because none of us needed to know anything about the contexts of those objects. Some people, of course, did. Um, and that's brilliant. And that adds a whole other layer. But actually, you can respond in a very visceral, immediate way with whatever you whatever you want to. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this, um, this activity. From the moment you brought in the object dialogue box, from when you opened it up, you unraveled it on the table and there were lots of oohs and ahs and, and, you know, smiles and surprises to the moment we got to choose our object or objects. I chose two. Um, that was very, uh, lots of thinking, chatting, what shall I choose? What shall I take? And then when we went into the museum as well and, um, I can I can still feel the object that I had in my hand. Isn't that strange that I still Remind, have a connection and a memory of what me I chose? Which object? I had two. So I had one which was a ceramic that I thought looked a bit like a rabbit and it was a kind of bluey green color. And then I had another object which is less clear in my mind, but I know it was yellow, white and red. It was a kind of almost like Lego but not Lego. It was a shape. Um and both of those although it was a really dark gallery. I mean, it, it was very low lighting. I was thinking, well, what am I going to find here that's got any connection with these uh, objects? I found connections for both of them and more than one as well. So I think once I got the first connection, then they just kept coming. And as you say, you do start to bend down and peer into display cases and really look in a different way that you wouldn't do if you weren't holding that object. And I ended up um, taking photos of my my thing, my rabbits <laughs> and the objects and, you know, feeling very proud that I found these things and why they were connected and all those sorts of reasons. So, yeah, I absolutely loved this activity and I loved the little mini tours afterwards that we all did around our own choices and explaining why we made connections and how we made connections. That was fascinating. It's, it is so lovely. And I've, I've done it in, in all sorts, everywhere I've worked. I think I've done something very, very similar. Um, and it just, it works everywhere, anywhere. And, but it's always, it's one of those really joyful things that never gets boring because it, everyone always, sort of shares totally different stories it's it's wonderful <laughs> it is and totally memorable as well I will never forget it um so moving oh. on I'd like to talk because you mentioned this in your workshop as well and I found this really interesting that you were beginning to talk and um discuss about how we might use objects in organizations to inspire perhaps more creativity more uh, use of the imagination. So could you talk a little bit about how we might use objects in different environments? Yes, this is something that um, I, it's a sort of early experimental idea in, in, in my head in some ways, because I'm now in, in the job I'm in, in Sheffield at the moment, I work in the management school. So I've got, I've got lots of colleagues who are interested in how organisations operate. And it's something that I've been very interested in for a number of years, both in how organizations function, but also in dysfunctional organizations as well and, and ways that we can make things better and ways that we can make work more joyful. 
And I think um, sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect in museums around objects themselves because, you know, objects and, and people, of course, are at, at the, they're at the heart of museums and galleries. But how often have you ever been to a meeting at work where you talk about an object or where there are um, objects on the table or where you go to the stores as part of a senior leadership uh, meeting, things like that. And I just think it's such a missing potential. It's so easy to to see how joyful um, engaging with objects is um, and why, why don't we do it? And I think there are lots of ways in which we can begin to think about um, using objects. So, for example, we might uh, be able to categorise objects in different ways in a sort of to mirror the hierarchy of an organisation or something. Um, I know that a lot of people um, have involved um, Lego Curious Play or I've forgotten the actual term. Serious Play. Lego Serious play, sorry. Yeah. Yes, serious play. But in, in a sort of, in a way um, that that enables people to ima reimagine organisations and all of those sorts of things, actually, why not use collection objects um, in a very similar way? We all have these kind of ways of thinking about our objects and having knowledge about our objects, but we don't, we just don't use them enough. There are lots of smaller strategies as well. So, for example, when I worked um, at the Sainsbury Centre, which is a gallery of both art and anthropology at the University of East Anglia, um, I used to run my team meetings in the gallery spaces and just get members of the team to take me to their favourite objects once in a while. And just we just used to talk about it. And instead of going down the checklist for a one-to-one, -one, we would we would have a lovely inspirational object session. Um, going to I've I've already mentioned this, but going to the stores. Many many staff members might not go to the stores as part of their their jobs. Often, sometimes even education staff actually, which is very sad. Um, but I I just think it's really important to have that joy and to think to think what it is that objects can do in terms of an organisation as well. So I'm sort of formulating these things. And, and at the conference in Denmark, I um, suggested some of these ideas. And at, at the end, I got people to fill in a little on a little um, luggage label, some of the things that they would take away from the session. Um, and so I was looking at them this morning and there are some really lovely thoughts that people have have um, come up with around um, sparking imagination in their team meetings and in going for wonders or even going for a nature walk um, and and collecting objects on the way. So I, I just think that there's there's something really exciting to be done in organisations um, using objects and bringing them back to the absolute heart of, of what it is that we do. I, I completely agree. I think um, you're definitely onto something there. I think I've been I've been doing um, a coaching certif certification, if I can get the words out, this year, and uh, I've been using in my coaching sessions using objects, 
um, as a metaphor, as a way of creating conversation around certain subjects. And I've always used them in, in my training sessions as well. And um, even online, particularly online, especially during 2020, people bringing objects that were dear to them or that were everyday objects just to create connection and spark conversation. So it can, yeah, it can really make uh, team meetings much more <laughs> creative and imaginative and open up those conversations as well. Absolutely. And it's such an easy... It, it's one of those things that is is obvious <laughs> in a way, but but yet it just doesn't really happen very often. Um, yes. Yeah. So here's to doing more of that. Definitely. Yes, um, definitely. <laughs> I think it's a fantastic idea. So we're we reaching the sort of final stages of our chat, but I'd like to ask people perhaps sometimes to share a book or books that they would recommend to our listeners. So do you have anything that you could recommend? Something that's been inspirational. Yes, I'm going to recommend two things. The first one is by um, Professor Sandra Dudley, who was my PhD supervisor. And I highly, if you're interested in objects and materiality and thinking about rummaging and object agency and all of those sorts of um, academic questions, as well as practical ones, then her book, uh, Museum Materialities, is absolutely phenomenal and I highly recommend that plus her other work uh, as well she's a really interesting um thinker um so so museum materialities by Sandra Dudley and then my second book is actually um I had to go and quickly fetch it off the shelves before we started this conversation is a poetry book odes to common things by Pablo Neruda and it's absolutely stunning I came across it fairly in the last 10 years or so and in this book um Pablo Neruda writes it's it's a series of odes to things like a chair or a table or a spoon or a plate and the first one is um just called Ode to Things and it's 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 such a wonderful, it, the, the opening lines are, I have a crazy, crazy love of things. And then it goes on and on, but it's it's beautiful. So yes, I recommend oh, that. Fabulous recommendations. I'm going to go and look them up uh, straight away <laughs> after our chat. Um, yes, thank you for recommending those. So how can people find you? How can they reach out to you? Perhaps you could share a couple of ways people can get in touch. Yes, very happy. I'm I'm pretty active on Twitter and my, my Twitter um, handle is at Alex Woodall um, and you can also find me I have a website which is not necessarily the most up-to-date of websites but it's alexwoodall.co.uk but you can also find me via the University of Sheffield my my sort of official work email address is on there <laughs> brilliant i'll put all the links in the show notes as usual with the books and everything else we've talked about um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today um, thanks for a lovely chat Thank you so much for inviting me, Claire. It's been lovely. Bye. Bye. So a huge thank you to Alex for being on the podcast today. Hope you enjoyed our chat as much as I did. Go to the show notes to find out more about Alex's fascinating work. And before you go, 
if you want to get more slow looking into your life, make it more of a regular practice, join us in the Slow Looking Club. We have weekly themes and regular get togethers. I've put a link in the show notes so that you can come and join us. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bound. You can find more art engagement resources by visiting my website, thinkingmuseum.com. And you can also find me on Instagram at Thinking Museum, where I regularly share tips and tools on how to bring art to life and engage your audience. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with others and subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.